Welcome to the March 21st sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and the sermon is entitled, I Am the Door, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, and we're going to be opening chapter 10 today. So get your Bible out. Those of you who are streaming with us, you get your Bible as well. Put it on your lap or your kitchen table or wherever you are today and join along with us as we study God's Word. My prayer is that we always keep this Word with us because it is the road map. I heard a preacher say one time, if you don't have your Bible with you, I will assume that you have it memorized. Otherwise, bring it with you. So I think that's a pretty fair point. But we're going to move a step forward in this journey through the Gospel of John. Uh, This is the old disciple John's account of the high watermarks of Jesus' life and ministry. And of course, I know that you recall that John was an old man when he wrote this letter, when he wrote this account, this Gospel of Jesus' life. Uh, He had served with Jesus, walked with him three years in ministry, some 50 years before he wrote these words. So those memories and those words and those healings percolated in his mind until God gave him the go-ahead to write it down uh, and share it with the world. And John, if you recall, has one purpose for writing the gospel. He says, I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am saved by His grace. I write this gospel that the world might know Him as I know Him. And so we are thankful that we have this gospel to study. Today as we open chapter 10, as we begin the chapter, let me say this. If you simply open your Bible and begin reading in John chapter 10... You're going to get spiritual truth from it. That is absolutely true. But you will probably not totally understand it. If you just start reading at chapter 10, you will not understand the context of where this scripture comes from, why it is included in the gospel of John. So let's look up a moment and ask this. What prompted John to write these words? Well, as we think about Jesus saying these words originally, perhaps as you would just simply open John chapter 10 and begin reading about him being the good shepherd and the door of life, you may think, well, that means Jesus is speaking to his disciples, to a group who have been close to him, or maybe he's meeting with a group of of willing learners who want to understand the word and the will of God, and so he's teaching them. That is not the context of these verses that we're going to study today. In chapter 9, as we back up into that chapter, I'm sure you remember that that includes the account of Jesus healing a man, a man who was born blind. Uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 12, we see this man miraculously healed by Jesus Christ. But the man has met Jesus, but he doesn't know Jesus. When he meets him the first time, he is totally blind. Light has not flooded his body since birth. And so this man sits beside him and stirs the clay and anoints his eyes and sends him to the pool of Siloam to wash. And it was there at the pool of Siloam that the man received his sight in obedience following the will of Jesus to send him there. But when he returns back to his original place, Jesus is no longer there. So he's heard his voice, he's heard his name, but he has not met the man Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
All these great religious leaders are gathered there, the Jewish leaders, the religious teachers, and they hate Jesus. Let me again remind you why they hate Jesus, because Jesus had pointed them out as religious fakes and phonies. They taught the Word of God, but they did not know the God of the Word. They did not have a connection in spirit with the Holy Father. And so they were teaching the Word and yet not knowing the Father. So they were really hypocrites, teaching, not knowing God himself. So all of these great leaders are developing a plan to murder Jesus, to get him off the face of the earth because he has brought them such trouble. And so they asked this healed man, who healed you? How did this healing come about? And the man said, well, a man came to me and I don't know him. But he put clay on my eyes. He told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam. I did so, and I can now see. It is that simple. I don't know exactly who he is. I know he healed me. And I know I am seeing in this moment. And these religious leaders know it's Jesus. But they deny that he has power from God. If you flip back into chapter 9 and go to verse 16, these leaders say this. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Basically, they said Jesus is a criminal. Jesus is a lawbreaker. Because if you look at God's law, when he stirred that clay on the ground with dirt and spittle, when he stirred it together, that's work. You can't work on the Sabbath day. He then took that clay and anointed that blind man's eyes. That's work. You can't work on the Sabbath day. He brought about a a medical healing. That is a form of work that you can't perform on the Sabbath day. So this man is not from God. He's a lawbreaker. He's a criminal. He could not have been the one who brought healing to you. And here are the former man's words. Look at chapter 9, verse 25. The, the, The former blind man said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. He healed me. He gave me sight that I never had in all the years of my life. This healed man is coming to understand that the the one who brought healing to him is absolutely from God. He did not know him as Savior at this particular point. He does come to him when he says, Lord, I believe, but it's not come yet. So this healed man is coming to understand that the healing indeed came from God Almighty. And these great religious leaders are absolutely furious that this healed man is giving the glory to Jesus and the fact that Jesus comes from Almighty God. In fact, they are so mad at him that instead of coming to Jesus in belief, rather these scribes and Pharisees punish the healed man by saying, we're casting you out to ever worship with your family again. You can never enter the temple grounds ever again. We cast you out. If you're in another community and there is a synagogue there, you may not enter the synagogue and worship with the family of Israel. We cast you out. You are ostracized from all worship with your family of Israel. And in their hearts, they're hating Jesus all the more because of what's transpiring here with this man who's being a witness to the Lord who gave him healing. So, as chapter 10 opens, Jesus is not addressing adoring people or disciples who are learning and gleaning from his words. When you open chapter 10, Jesus is talking to his enemies. Jesus is talking to the men who are developing a plan of death for him. Jesus is talking to his detractors, not to his disciples. 
So let's look at chapter 10, and let's begin this chapter today by looking at verses 1 through 10. Hear then these words as Jesus speaks to the scribes and the Pharisees. Remember the key words, verily, verily, they're a flag saying these are very important words when Jesus speaks them. So that's the way he begins. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers." This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. May God add his blessing to the portion of this precious word we study today. As John chapter 10 opens then, we see Jesus focusing on sheep and shepherds and the containment or the corral that holds the sheep overnight called a sheepfold. Now for most of us, myself certainly included, most of us know very little about sheep or shepherding or how to keep sheep in your life. But shepherding is extremely important in the Bible. I know as you read the Bible, you see that image of sheep and shepherd come forth through the Old Testament and the New Testament many, many times. But shepherding is so very important in the Bible. The image of the most memorized verse of Scripture in the Bible from the Old Testament includes the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23 Well, if the Lord is my shepherd, that means I better understand what it means to be a sheep. Because I am one of them, believer, so are you. We are following the good shepherd because we are his sheep. We belong to him. We are in his fold of sheep, and we follow the great good shepherd. So as we see shepherding in the Bible... Also, we know as believers, we follow the shepherd. In these verses, John 10, 1 through 10, Jesus' primary words, if you underline anything in your Bible today, underline the words, I am the door, in verse 7. They are very important words. Do you remember back in Exodus chapter 3, when God meets Moses at the burning bush, and he commissions Moses that he is going to go into Egypt, and he's going to lead the Israelites out of Egypt who had been in captivity and slavery there for many, many years. And God commissions Moses at that burning bush to go into Egypt and lead them out as his people. And Moses says, I may take on that job. He was a bit hesitant at first. But he said, if I go in... 
and face the Israelites in Egypt. They're going to ask, if God sent you, what is his name? So Moses says, God, what is your name? And God says, I am that I am. In Hebrew, we can call that the tetragrammaton. J-H-W-H, Yahweh, I am that I am. And we also see it in the Old Testament shortened down to simply I am. When we see those two words in the Old Testament, I am, it is the name of God Almighty, the Creator, the Lord, the God, the Sovereign, the King of the universe. I am rules the universe. When Jesus says, I am the door, he is saying, I am God Almighty. When we worship Jesus Christ, we're not worshiping a prophet. We're not worshiping a representative of God. We're not worshiping a witness of God. We are worshiping God himself. Jesus is God. And he tells us that over and over again, especially in these I am statements In John, he is eternal. He is everlasting. There is no beginning. There is no end to God. When the creation was laid down, as it tells us in John chapter 1, Jesus was there. When our history culminates at the end, Jesus will be there. For all eternity, Jesus will be there. He is the great I am. He is God himself. And here in the Gospel of John, we see these statements. Whenever you hear Jesus saying, I am... He's referring to himself as God Almighty. Now, let's back up. Let's go back to John chapter 10, verse 1. As Jesus speaks to these men who hate him the most, he gives a very important example to them. Let's look at the first three verses one more time. John 10, go to verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Let's get a little lesson here in shepherding. Believe me, I needed this lesson, and I've studied it. I want to pass it on to you in understanding about shepherding. Picture in your mind a large enclosure a containment, a sheepfold where sheep are kept overnight. They're never just herded into an open area when a sheepfold is available. If they're kept in an open area, the shepherd will line around so that there's a circular uh, pattern of the sheep so that a, a predator can't break through. But when a sheepfold is available, the shepherd will always take the sheep to the sheepfold, that containment, so they can be protected overnight. And in this sheepfold, it's made of rock, so rocks that are mounded up in somewhat of a circular pattern, and it can be as small or as large as the shepherds want to make it. But the amazing thing about a sheepfold is it is mounding of rocks, but they're not very high. The reason they're not very high is because sheep can't climb and sheep can't jump. So they don't need anything high. It's simply a a low wall so the sheep can't get out of that sheepfold. Now also, as they're corralled together, it's important for you to know, in the eastern shepherding style, many nights, shepherds who owned different flocks would put all of their flocks together in one containment, in one sheepfold. 
Uh, and so there were many shepherds represented by the one sheepfold as all of them put their sheep there for protection overnight. And a young man was hired. In King James Version, he is called a porter. Uh, he has other names in other versions, but also I, I like the, the name under-shepherd. He is an under-shepherd. He watches over the sheep in place of the true shepherd of the sheep. Now, the porter had two jobs all night long. Number one, he stands by the entryway. There's only one doorway into that sheepfold. The porter stands there. The under-shepherd stands there all night long and guards that doorway so no sheep can get out. So no sheep can wander away and get out into the world and be available for a predator to take its life. That's the first job. The second job that the porter has is by that doorway, he watches the wall all night long so that he can spot a predator that would climb in or a thief that would climb over the wall to steal sheep. So the porter has two jobs, keep the sheep in, keep the danger out. And that's his sentry, that is his guard point all night long. Watch the sheep inside, watch the wall for the outside coming in so that danger won't encroach upon the sheep. When the morning comes, this is very important as well, when the morning comes, the shepherds show back up to claim their sheep. The shepherd would come to the door of the sheepfold and he would call his flock of sheep. And that flock of sheep knew his voice so well that when that one shepherd called his sheep, they would pull out from all the sheep in the sheepfold and come to their shepherd. Because sheep won't follow a strange voice. So the one shepherd calls out, and, and shepherds often in the east would name their sheep. Maybe he would call the sheep by name. Come out, come out. And the sheep that belonged to that one shepherd would come out. And shepherd after shepherd would come to the doorway of the sheepfold and call his flock of sheep, and they would come out separately to follow their particular shepherd. Sheep will not follow a stranger. That's important for you and me to know in Eastern uh, shepherding. Another thing that you need to know about Eastern shepherding, different from Western shepherding, in the West, shepherds drive the sheep. They have dogs, they have prods, they may have ride horses, and they circle those sheep, and they drive them from behind where they want them to go. In the eastern style, the shepherd leads the sheep. He doesn't drive the sheep. He walks ahead of the sheep, and they follow his voice, and they follow his footsteps, and they follow because they love him. They follow because they know him. They follow him because they trust him to take them to still waters and good pastures. So there's a difference between the Western shepherding and the Eastern style of shepherding. Now listen, what Jesus is saying in these words, God Almighty sent him, the Son, God Almighty himself, to the sheepfold of all of Israel. And he came exactly as God said he would come through the prophecies that we know in the Old Testament. Of course, these scribes and Pharisees knew their Bible through and through like the front and the back of their hand. And so when they saw Jesus, they began clicking about the fulfillment of his life and the prophecies that they knew so well. They knew that he was born in Bethlehem, which is of the prophet Micah. Isaiah said that he would be mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the prophecy that came through the pen of Isaiah. 
Jesus came as the great shepherd that Jesus spoke of, that rather that the Old Testament David spoke about in Psalm 23. He came as the door of Israel. You remember the story in the Old Testament about Noah and the ark, and the ark only had one door by which to enter and one door by which to exit. Jesus himself is that one door. The Old Testament ark symbolizes Jesus as the door to life. And all of those facts and all of those prophecies were beginning to click in the minds of the scribes and the Pharisees, but they would not believe it. They just wanted to reject him because he had pointed them out as false and fake and hypocrites in teaching. But clearly here, Jesus is proclaiming himself as the one shepherd, the doorway of life. And all of these religious teachers were hearing him as he speaks these words to them. What's their reaction? Look at chapter 10, verse 6. This parable, by the way, this is not a parable in the sense of the little one-point story that Jesus tells like in Matthew and Luke. John does not have parables of, sort, of that sort uh, in the gospel. This parable is more of the account of the story of Jesus as he tells it. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not the things they were which he spake unto them. So they refused to hear. They refused to understand the word of the Savior. And these men who hated Jesus would not hear him, would not believe the witness of the blind man who had been healed. They would not see him as the shepherd. They could not see him as the Savior. They could not see him as the door to life, as he had told them. And beginning in verse 7 now, as we go on through this passage, Jesus' language becomes to be becomes very specific about who he is. John chapter 10, verses 7 and 9, he says, I am the door. I am the one way of life. I am the one way into heaven and to glory and salvation and forgiveness. The Word of God makes it so very plain that there is one exclusive, solitary way to be forgiven and have eternal life, and that is through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the I am of God, the door, the way to pass to heaven and forgiveness. He is the good shepherd. He is the doorway. But Jesus here said some things that just further infuriated these scribes and these Pharisees in this passage. Again, fake teachers of the Bible, remember that. These men had no connection with God, even though they're standing in a pulpit teaching the Word of God. Look at verse 8, chapter 10, verse 8. Jesus says this, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Now look down at verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He's pointing to these religious men. He's speaking directly to them, face to face, toe to toe. He's speaking to these religious teachers, and he said, you are false shepherds. You are lying teachers. You are misleading the people of God with your fake teaching. You're not here to lead the people to salvation. You're here to take advantage of them. You're here to steal from them. You're here to wear your fancy robes and to have honor given to you when you walk out onto the streets of Jerusalem. Your heart is absolutely in the wrong place. You're false shepherds. You're mistreating and misleading the sheep. The truth is not in you. 
You don't know the truth because you don't know the Father. You're false and you're lying shepherds. And you're rejecting the real shepherd who has come. You fail to hear me. You turn me away. And you won't hear the words of the true shepherd. I am that shepherd. I am that door. They're hearing the word of God as they're standing listening to him. They're hearing him say, I am God. You need to hear me. You need to come to me. Well, as we close the scripture today, we close it with these men of God supposedly teaching Israel, and they hate Jesus all the more. Their hatred cannot hardly be contained. They continue to develop their plan to kill him. And eventually, very soon after this, the plan does come to fruition. It's really not by their will. They think it is, but it's not by their will. It's by the will of God that Jesus die so that he can take our sin upon his shoulders. But he dies, and they think it's their plan that has succeeded. But they're lost, and they're false, and they're lying, and they're drifting away in truth. They will not recognize the door. Well, as we close Scripture today, that's a sad place to close it. People who look the Son of God, the Savior, the I Am of God, straight in the eye and say, I don't believe you. I don't know you. I don't want you. I reject you. How sad that is. Now, certainly we live in a world today that is extremely different from the world of Jesus' day. Shepherds and shepherding still does exist, but it's not the way of life as it was in the Bible. It's a much, much smaller market now than it used to be. It's not predominant and prevalent in our society as it was in Jesus' day. Shepherds and sheep have gone the way to huge leaps of technology, and we're just a much more modern world today than Jesus lived in. But listen, friend, the world has changed in the way we've become modern. That's true. But people have not changed. People have not changed a bit. Many multitudes are listening to false shepherds today. There are multitudes listening to the false shepherd of the Muslim faith, listening to the false gods of the Hindu religion. There are religions, even in our society, even in our community, that masquerade as a Christian faith, and they are not. And people are following the false teachers of a false faith. And basically, if they follow that for the remainder of their life, they're going to end up in hell, and that's what the Bible says. We have to point to the good shepherd constantly as the church of Jesus Christ all of those false gods, all of their teachers will say this is the way to happiness and peace and fulfillment. And consequently, what we have today is a world full of misled, lost sheep. Sheep without the true shepherd. Sheep without life. Sheep that are wide open to the wiles and the temptations and the snares of Satan and evil and the lies of the world. Now, I want you to know as I stand here before you today, I am nothing more than a porter, as you see him in this passage in John 10. A porter. 
an under-shepherd, and I have two jobs. Here are my two jobs. Number one, job number one is I watch for the enemy. Because I need to warn you that this world is full of thieves and robbers and enemies of your faith. And you must constantly be on guard that you are following the Lord Jesus Christ as your shepherd. And you're not following any other form of joy or peace or happiness, but Jesus Christ is setting the footsteps and you are following him. I give you the warning time after time as the porter of God that we are to keep our eyes on the shepherd because we're going to walk out in an evil world, in a world that does not know him. And even believers can be misled by thieves and robbers. Be wary. Be careful. Keep your eyes on the Savior. Keep your eyes in his word Plant it in your mind and in your heart so you can be wary and know what a false shepherd is and know who the good shepherd is in your life, believer. I warn you, we're going to walk out in an evil world today that wants to mislead you. Keep your eyes on the shepherd. That's my first job. Here's job number two. I constantly point you to the ultimate truth that there is one way, one God, one shepherd, one door, And his name is Jesus Christ. He knows your name. And just like that shepherd walked to the opening door of the sheepfold and would call his sheep out, many times that shepherd would call his sheep by name. Shepherds often would love their sheep so much they just named their flock name after name. And he called those sheep, and those sheep would respond to their name as the shepherd called them and come out of that sheepfold to follow their shepherd. Believers, listen for your name. Listen for his call. Listen for him to give you the steps that you are to follow this week. Listen for his will in your life. Listen for the appointments that he gives you to share as a witness for him to lost sheep. You and I are going to cross paths with lost sheep this week. I can almost, if you don't live in a bubble... If you don't live underground, you're going to cross paths with lost, misled sheep this week. Keep your eyes on the shepherd. Listen to him call your name. And by your life and your witness, you honor him and him alone. Honor his word. Live the life that represents him well. That's my prayer for us this day, and I need to respond to the good shepherd's voice as well. Everything else is going to fail the world. Only the good shepherd is going to take us to the pastures where we need to be. No matter how the world might change, no matter the fad of wisdom or what changes in the world this week, no matter where the world might go, this is the rock, and this is the anchor of life. Jesus is the door, and Jesus is the shepherd, and we follow him. Believers, rededicate your life to listening for your name and following him alone. And today, if you're here or if you're listening by streaming today and you've never given your heart to Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to assure you of this. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the one. He is the door. He is the shepherd. That's what the Bible teaches us. He is the one way to forgiveness and eternal life. 
And in weeks to come, we're going to celebrate His death on the cross and His resurrection from the grave. He took our sin on His own shoulders as the shepherd, as the Son of God, and as the sacrificial lamb, He died for us. The perfect lamb died for sinners like me and you so that we might be forgiven. Follow Him. If you've never received Him, He died for you on that cross. And He rose from the grave to promise all believers that we too will live with Him for all eternity. If you've never received Him, if you are really still and really quiet, you'll hear Him call your name. He's calling your name right now. If you need Him, you respond and say, Lord, I want you as my shepherd. I want you as my Lord, and I accept you as my Savior. Church home, whatever you need, he meets us right here. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, thank you, Lord, that you taught us beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are the good shepherd that David spoke about in Psalm 23. You are the doorway to life, as we learn in Genesis and the story of Moses, of Noah and the ark Father I pray that we who are believers will know that you call our names that we are to follow you you don't push us you don't force us but you lead us that we might follow you Lord I know sometimes Lord I've been a very disobedient sheep been out of your path and out of your way thankfully Lord the shepherd always seeks out his sheep you brought me back Maybe there's someone here today who just needs to come back. Maybe they're listening by stream today. I just need to come back to follow that shepherd that I gave my life to a long time ago. For we who are believers, Father, I pray that we will make that commitment to you today. For that one who has never come to you, Father, if he or she is really still and quiet, they will hear the shepherd calling their name, saying, come into my fold. Come in through my door. I want to be your good shepherd who will give you life and purpose and hope and blessing. doesn't mean we'll never have a problem, but it does mean we have a shepherd who will lead us through every day of our life. So bless us, Father, church, home, whatever our need. Bless us in this very important moment of decision, I pray in Jesus' name. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.